Man, I don't know um, if y'all heard Mark's message last week, but it was so awesome. Uh, I'd invite you to uh, check it out online if you haven't, just about uh, relying on the Lord. And um, I, uh, I feel like we're in such an incredible uh, time in history to be alive and, and to be uh, Christians and to be in church. I feel like... Um, I hear some crazy things these days and read some crazy things. And there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, does God still transform people? You know, is God still working out there? And um, I have the privilege of working here and um, seeing that, in fact, he does. He is constantly working and transforming lives. He is constantly working in us and through us. And it's incredible to see. It's a privilege to see. And, um, you know, in a world that's uh, becoming increasingly darker, I do believe that the light is beginning to shine even brighter. And um, I just uh, want to take us on a little trip tonight about the way that we get to the cross and what happens at the cross. And, um, you know, it starts off, um, like many stories, we start off, uh, we're afar from, from God. We're far off from him. And uh, I'm sure each and every person here has a, a story of who they once were. And when they came to the Lord, everything he's done. But our starting point is we're usually far off from him. And I sure was, too. If you uh, have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 16. We will um, have that on the screen as well for us tonight. Just reminded of this beautiful verse. And uh, before we get into God's word, I'm just going to pray for us here. So, Father God, we thank you, God, that you saved us. God, we thank you for the new life we have in you, Jesus. As we get into your word tonight, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us. And um, would, it, would your word richly dwell in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. So Matthew 4, verse 16, it says this, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts a shadow, its shadow a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, this was a time where they had experienced 400 years of darkness. There was no word from the Lord, nothing going on, and there was just darkness of the land. There was no hope. There was not much hope left. No word from God. It felt like God was distant. And uh, I see that in the world we're living in. I see just a dark world where um, there were death cast its shadow on the world today. But we thank God that there is a great light and it shines out on this land. And that is Jesus. And, you know, life is just um, an epic journey. It really is. You know, these storms, they come and go. Um, mountains are climbed and valleys are wandered. And when we hear this message, when we hear about the hope of Jesus, something happens to us. I don't know if anyone can remember here where they were or what the first thing they heard about God. 
Maybe it was when you were a kid. Maybe it was when you were an adult. But I remember just hearing that there was a God when I was a kid and the love of Jesus and the plan for the world. And it struck me and it struck me. And um, as I became an adult, I think I had to really come to terms with this truth and what I was going to do with it. I'm not uh, just in Sunday school anymore. I'm out on my own. I'm a man now. What am I going to do with the truth about this and life? And uh, when I first came to terms with that, I was a far off from God. My, I might have been in church here and there, but my heart was far from him. And I, re- I uh, was reminded, um, preparing this, of uh, Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know if anybody here has ever read that book, but it's a beautiful allegory of a, of a man named Christian who also heard of God. And he heard that there was a judgment coming, that there was life after death, and that we needed to um, f- find God, to follow him. And Pilgrim, when he realized how far off from God he was, he realized he just had a big burden on his back. The sin and, and shame and guilt of how far from God and how he wasn't right with God was weighing on him heavily. Was weighing on him heavily. And it came to the point where he said, Oh, my dear wife, I am undone within myself with the burden that lies so heavy on me. You know, there's a weight to our sin. And there's a, a guilt that we have and our shame and it brings us down. And Christian went on to say, I, have, I will come to a miserable ruin unless some way of escape, which I do not yet see, can be found so that we may be delivered. You know, no matter where your starting point was, however far away from God that you've been, or even are today, he's with us. And when the way seems too far for us or the path too hard, God is there. He's with us. And so often it's when we come to the end of ourselves that God is there, that God is there. And that was uh, so true for me. I'd come to a place where I was just at the end of my life. You know, I, I had a job and I had friends and this and that, but inside I was just spiritually bankrupt. I was empty. I had no purpose, no relationship, and I was just weighed down by all this stuff in my life. I was just, I had a burden. You know, I've been um, listening to the life of uh, Johnny Cash. It's been on um, a gentleman in um, California from a church put together his biography. And um, it's such an incredible story. Many of you, uh, I'm sure, know Johnny Cash. He was an American icon. Uh, for years, and um, he started off uh, rock and roller, the same, uh, just lost, doing what rock and rollers do, and um, it led him to a really dark place, and it led him to the end of himself, and um, a low point came in Johnny's life in 1967 when he said that a life of sin was crushing him and wearing him down. And um, he said he was taking pills until the pills took me. He was on the brink of death, of self-destruction. 
Johnny's mom and um, his wife at the time, June Carter, were committed um, to praying for him and to getting him off the drugs. But one evening, his life in shambles, his kids estranged from him. He went out to Nickajack Cave in Chattanooga, Tennessee, hoping that God would end his existence there. But God had other plans. He said, I, I laid there in the darkness at the end of the line. I planned to die there. And he kept walking and walking and walking until his light went out and every fiber of his body was exhausted in this cave. His body was, was worn. He was depressed. He was empty. He was alone. He was angry. He was in a pit. And he said, in that moment, in that pit, this feeling came over me and words um, were pressed upon him that said, you do not control your destiny. It is my will that you do not die now. Suddenly there was an urge for him to get up, to crawl out. He said he didn't know how long he'd been crawling for, but some sort of light kept his way. The hand of God led me, he said. You know, sometimes in our lives, we find ourselves in a deep, dark pit. Someone like us, someone we know, but there's a light in this tunnel. And Johnny's seeing the same light here. He said, there was some sort of light that kept his way. The hand of God led me. You know, when we hear God's words, it it puts a light in our life. No matter what kind of darkness we're going through, we can keep our eye fixed in that light And sometimes we got to crawl to it. Sometimes it's dark and scary, but we have to keep moving towards that light. He came out a changed man from that cave. He came out wanting to be right with God, not perfect with God, but right with God. He gave up those things that weighed him down. He had a, a mighty faith in God Almighty. And that that moment of desperation, he chose to get up and keep going. And that's a tough thing to do. Sometimes we can get so, so down and covered with stuff, it's just easier to lay there. But God, I always tell folks, he's our number one fan. He is our number one fan. He wants us to get up, to keep going, to keep following him, and he's cheering us. And I love, uh, he quoted, he said, I went down in that cave and I came out a new creation, he said. He said, it was the spirit of the love of God that made me a survivor. And not only a survivor, but a sustainer. Not only did he know the Lord, but he was knowing him more. Psalm 116, verse 9, it says this. It says, we're going to have it on the screen here in a sec. It says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me, and I was overcome by stress and sorrow. Excuse me, distress and sorrow. Stress as well, but let's be real. (laughs) Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unweary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For the Lord has delivered me from death. 
my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. You know, Jesus, he doesn't say to us, clean up your life and then come to me. He says, in effect, come to me and I will clean up your life. You know, there was um, some of the hardest times in my life that I've gone through. I had to get alone with God and really pour out my heart with, uh, to him. I was so um, overwhelmed and angry at times with some difficulties we were going through. But in those moments, he was there with words like Psalm 116 encouraging me, saying, you know, you're going to walk in the land of the living. I am your God. I have rest for you. Um, I will deliver you from death. And just he is there with us in the darkness. And that's just the start of our journey. A lot of our journeys go like that. And I want to say wherever you're at today, there is a light. And if you hold on long enough, and sometimes if you got to crawl out, you'll get out. One of the most encouraging and awesome, hopeful words ever said are, but God, but God. There's a lot going on all around us in the world. Situations seem impossible, sad. Even us, the feelings of I'll never be good enough. I can't see how this will ever work out for me. With every situation and every thought, there's always a but God. Because he is the miracle worker. He is the great light in our darkness. And he is the one that works in in amazing ways every day. Christian found himself out of the darkness. And he met this man named Evangelist. Christian was still weighed down by this burden. And Evangelist said to him, he said, well, you can't stick around the city. It's heading for destruction. And Christian said, I don't know where to go. But Evangelist replied, keep that light in your eye. Keep moving. Keep following it until you reach the narrow gate. You know, like I said, at some point in our life on this journey, we need to decide which path we're going to take. We have to decide what we're going to do with this truth. Because we don't want to just keep the truth up here that we know. We want to live out this truth. We want to walk out this truth. And I love Matthew uh, 7, verse 13, talking about the narrow way and uh, the, the, the gate that is wide. We'll have it up on the screen here for you guys. It says this. Turn here, too. It says. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. You know, I can tell in my life when coming through these uh, things, you know, I really had to decide, like I said, and... um, we're all given that choice about are we taking the, the narrow way? Are we going to be on the, the, wide, the wide road? Matthew Henry's commentary says this. He says, the gate is wide. That which alludes to the multitudes and into it, there are many travelers in that way. First, you will have an abundance of liberty in that way that tempt those to go right on their way. You may go in this gate with all your lusts about you. 
It gives no check to your appetites, to your passions, that you may walk in the way of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. For there is nothing to hedge in those that walk in it, and they wander endlessly. You will have an abundance of company. Many walk in this gate saying, if we follow the multitude, if we follow the crowd, it must be the right way. But its end is in destruction. You know, in life, we're called to live a life committed to Christ. Once we've experienced his love and his mercy in our heart, we're called to, to seek the narrow gate, to seek the, the straight path. And he says of the straight and narrow, he says, um, we may enter it by conversion and regeneration, by which we enter in through faith and serious about godliness. We come out of a state of sin to a state of grace. We must pass with a new birth. The gate is straight and it's hard to find, but there must be a new heart, a new spirit, and old things that pass away. The bent soul must be changed, corrupted habits and customs broken off. We must swim against the stream. Much, much opposition must be struggled with from without and from within. And that's a big part of the Christian life. You know, there's something out there that's called the prosperity gospel. And one of the most dangerous things about it is that it promises following a life of God means that you're just happy, healthy, and wealthy. And it's a ripoff of what a true Christian life looks like. We're going to go through stuff in this life. Someone said that you'll never have a life with no storms. There's a lot of folks out there trying to, to get in a situation in a life where you just have no storms. But we'll always have storms. What they said is that you need to have Jesus in your boat. We need to have Jesus in our boat. We need to know him. We need to know him more. This path that it says we're on, it leads to life. And Christian made his way through this, starting to figure it all out. He was still held down by the weight and guilt of his sin, which led him to the cross. To the cross and this brings us to um, the old rugged cross. And it says, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And it's our emblem. This is our emblem. Arguably the most recognized symbol in the whole world. And it's been said that one thing you know about a man leaving town carrying a cross is that he wasn't coming back. So our journey with Christ, wherever we start, at some point is going to lead us to Calvary. It's going to lead us to this cross. Jesus said that, I do this, this is my blood for which the covenant between God and his people is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive many sins. Jesus came for the remission of our sins. And what we find at the cross when we get there in our Christian walk, we find forgiveness. We find forgiveness of a debt that every human being carries. And it's, it's then and it's only then that we are finally free. 
we are finally free. When we approach and experience the cross, when by God's grace we can understand the truth of it all, we're forgiven. We are forgiven. We simply need to come to the cross in faith. As the old hymn says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Forgiveness equals freedom. Forgiveness equals freedom. You know, it's so easy to get weighed down with all of our stuff, you know, and, and all our being tripped up and everything. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be free from that. We can be free from that, and we can live in that freedom. Christian said, when God releases us from our guilt and burden, we are as those who leap for joy. We leap for joy. You know, I was reminded that um, today being Remembrance Day, I found a pic that um, has always uh, resonated with me. And it's of a, a son chasing down his father, heading out to war. And um, one of the captions said that, you know, freedom isn't free. Freedom isn't free. You know, the weight of what all those boys did decades ago still weighs heavy on us. But the weight of what Christ did on the cross for us should always be on our minds. In the same way that we wear this poppy this time of year, we're called to pick up a cross every day of our lives. And more than just a necklace, but it's a lifestyle. And out of the deep respect and honor that we have for our Savior, for what he did for us on Calvary, the atonement and forgiveness of our sins, setting us free in this life and all eternity to come. The transformed life, it can only happen at the cross. It's not at a pew or at a meeting. It's something that happens inside of us. Internally, when we see the light, we walk towards the light and we turn to him. We meet him there at the cross. The cross is a beautiful picture of heaven touching earth. And the horizontal part of it means that there is no limit to who can come to the cross. No limit of invitation who all may come and experience his forgiveness there. Wherever you're, wherever you're at, whatever country you're in, everyone is able to come to the cross. In John uh, 12, verse 24, says this. So interesting. Jesus, he's, he's getting ready to die here, getting ready to be crucified. And he says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love this life in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. You know, for there to be new life, there has to be death. For there to be new life, there has to be death. And that's how new life comes. It's when we come to this cross and we say, God, I'm ready for you to be Lord of my life. God, I'm ready for you to have your way in my life. And we say, yes, Lord, 
Um, I'm crucified on that cross, and not I live, but you live, Lord. And that new life begins in our life. It's when we surrender to him. It's when we accept the forgiveness and the life we have in him, and we go for it. In this um, verse 25, it says, Those who love their life in this world will lose it, and those who care for nothing for this Excuse me, those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. That verse uses two words for life. It's um, the Greek suke, refers to one present existence in this world. It's our mind, our will, our desires. It's that suke life. And the second is the zoe, referring to a spiritual life, an everlasting life. To pursue a suke life, with a materialistic philosophy will cause a person to miss what God has for them in this life, in eternal life. The natural outflow of the Zoe life is serving and following Christ. You know, when we get this right, when we, when we choose to um, surrender at the cross, when we, when we die to ourself and all those desires and everything the love and joy and peace grows in us fruit comes i love how it says you know behold we are a new creation the old self has been put on that cross the man or woman who loved only to lived only to satisfy their natural desires our flesh loses its power by being on the cross to die a criminal's death and we are a new creation in christ We can't only understand this intellectually, but we want to live it out through faith that that truth would dwell in us, in our inward parts. And the truth is that our our faith, it costs us something. It costs us something. You know, there's a classic illustration that says uh, if you were to appear in court on trial for being a Christian, would there be any enough evidence to convict you? You know, I've been watching, um, I think, hearts fail for my whole life in the church and those around me. And I'm always wondered, uh, like, how? How do we lose it? How do we just fall off, you know? And I think the cross is being a daily reminder to us that that's the cost. That's the life. We're living on the narrow path through the narrow gate. You know, we're reminded to, to seek him, to follow him, to allow him to be Lord of our life. Jesus says that anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. And there's no in between on this. And the Father will honor him. And this is the place the Christian has been called to. You don't want to do it halfway. It's a terrible way to be. God is real and his word is true and he's created us and given us these desires in a relationship with him now and forever. You know, the fact is we, we go on in our lives sometimes staggering in the dark and um, not getting rid of sin, it can compromise us. And we don't want to live in that compromised life, just stagnant, not growing, moving forward. There is a wonderful man, John Lennox, um, 
he is a mathematician and an apologist, and he said, I worship the kind of God who made me in his image and coded himself into humanity. He came into our world to provide a basis through which death and resurrection, that I could become something that I was not, and that is a son of God. And the basic message of the Christian faith is a magnificent one that God is prepared to give the individual who trusts Christ his very life. And that person is given all the potential to enjoy God, to enjoy a relationship with him. The capacity of an enjoying, excuse me, the capacity of enjoying friendship with God is the biggest thing in my life, he said, and the biggest thing in eternity. You know, I feel like um, just closing that in this day and age, we're seeing a, a great falling away, a great falling away. People are asking, aren't there many ways to get to God? We're living in a time where people are saying there is no God. Does he really change lives? Can he really transform a life? We're living in a time where there's a deconstruction of faiths where folks get so mixed up in the world and its lifestyles that they're not really sure what they believe anymore. And in so many cases, it's simply the word of God does not match their lifestyles that they've chosen. And beyond that, more and more, we're we're living in a progressive culture where the power of the cross has been forgotten. And even believers are turning to the ideals of social justice to save the human race. I believe we still see the power of God at work. I believe we are still seeing lives change all around us. I believe there's only one way to salvation, one road for the true Christian. And on that road, you will come to Calvary and your life will be transformed. Only by him can we be changed. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I am certain that the God who began his great work within you will continue it until the day of completion. If you think you're too far gone, if you think you've, you've heard it all and you're just too, you're not there, Jesus' message to you is that he will always, he says, come to me. He says, I will forgive you. I have open arms, he says. And I just want to end with, Um, Words from a Johnny Cash song that he wrote after um, he came to the Lord. He said, once my soul was astray from the heavenly way, I was wretched and blind as could be. But my Savior and love gave me peace from above when he reached down his hand for me. When the Savior reached down for me, when he reached down his hand for me, I was lost and undone without God or his son when he reached down his hand for me. How my heart does rejoice when I hear his sweet voice and attempt us to him I can cling. I can lean on his arm safe and sure from all harm when he reaches his, down, his hand down for me. Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you for um, your mercy and your grace and the gift to know you, God. Thank you um, that we can know you each day, Father. 
that no matter what we go through, God, you're, you're with us in the deep, dark caves, Father. You're with us, encouraging us, cheering us on. Thank you, God, that you give us strength, Lord, to, to take that straight and narrow path, God, that countercurrent path that goes against the world culture, Father. So often we see you there. We meet you there, God. Jesus, thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we can depend on you always in an ever-changing culture and world, God. I just pray for each one here, Lord, that you would move mightily in their lives, God, that they would know you in a real, genuine way, God, that no matter what comes our way, we would not be shaken, Lord Jesus. We'll stand firm in you, in your truth, in your word, God, and not just know it in our heads, Lord, but we would know it in our hearts, God. I thank you, God, and bless each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.